Hello, and welcome to Radio Omniglot, coming from a secret valley somewhere in North Wales. I am Simon Ager, and this is episode 43, in which I will be talking about punctuation, particularly the history of punctuation. But before I get on to that, I want to talk about a few other things that are happening in the world of Radio Omniglot in the Omniglot linguistic universe, if you will. Some months ago, I started making recordings of some of the posts on the Omniglot blog, which you can find at blog.omniglot.com. I thought it would be interesting and useful for visitors to the blog to be able to hear the things I write about, especially the foreign words. I also made some of those recordings into videos, which I posted on YouTube. But this took quite a bit of time, both to make the recordings and to make the videos. So I decided to make shorter videos more often. And for the past few months, I've been posting a new one every Sunday. I call this series Adventures in Etymology, as each one looks at the origins or etymology of a particular word. So far, I've covered various words in English, and I may look at words in other languages as well. First, I write a little script and then I make a recording, and then I make it into a video, which I post on Instagram and Facebook, and I make a slightly longer video sometimes to post on YouTube as well. And I've also started posting these on the Radio Omniglot site, which you can find at radio.omniglot.com, or if you get your podcasts elsewhere, they should be appearing there as well. So I've been thinking, as I call this podcast Radio Omniglot, and radio stations usually have more than one program, I could make other programs as well. So perhaps a program about new developments and improvements on Omniglot itself, and maybe about things I've been writing about on my blogs, that's the Omniglot blog, and Celtiadir, where I write about words in Celtic languages and connections between them. Maybe I could even do some kind of linguistic-based comedy show as well. And I'd welcome your suggestions for any things you'd like to hear on Radio Omniglot. Just go along to radio.omniglot.com. Now, for the Adventures in Etymology series, I actually write a script before I record it. Normally, for these longer podcasts, I write some notes and then just make it up as I go along, more or less. And I post transcripts of the Adventures in Etymology series on the Radio Omniglot site. But if you read these transcripts, you'll notice they're not word-for-word what I say on the recordings. There are some things you can do in writing which are not so easy to do in speech, and vice versa. And one of the things you can do in writing, which you don't do in speech generally, is punctuation. Which brings us back to today's topic. So what is punctuation? Well, according to dictionary.com, It is the practice or system of using certain conventional marks or characters in writing or printing in order to separate elements and make the meaning clear, as in ending a sentence or separating clauses. The word punctuation comes from the medieval Latin word punctuationem, meaning a marking with points in writing, from the Latin word punctuare, to mark with points or dots, from punctus, the past participle of pungere, to prick. The word punctuation started to appear in English in the mid-16th century and originally referred to the practice of adding vowel markings or nikud to Hebrew texts to make them easier to read aloud. 
And back then, what we now call punctuation was known as pointing. But by the mid-18th century, the two words had exchanged meanings. So now we know where the word punctuation comes from. How about the practice of punctuating texts? When did that first start? Well, in very early writing, going back to 3,300-400 BC, when writing first emerged in Sumeria, in what is now um, modern-day Iraq, and about the same time it also appeared in Egypt. And in early texts in Sumerian, which was written in the cuneiform script, there was no punctuation. There were no spaces between words, no indication of where one sentence ended and the next one began, Um, so you just had to work it out as you read the text. Meanwhile, in ancient Egyptian texts, there were no punctuation marks, but some characters were kind of grouped together in words, and important names, like names of pharaohs and such like, were surrounded by cartouches, kind of oblongs with rounded ends. And these helped when people were deciphering the hieroglyphs back in the 19th century, because they realised that these were names eventually, and that some of them were spelt phonetically, because they were names of non-Egyptian origin, such as Cleopatra, which is of Greek origin, or Julius Caesar, and so on. And when they realised that the hieroglyphs could be used to write things phonetically, this also helped with deciphering other parts of the text. And also, much earlier writing was accounts and records and short texts, and they didn't really need punctuation. And things carried on much the same for a few thousand years. The earliest known text with punctuation is the Mesha Steel, which was found in Jordan in the 19th century and is thought to date from about 840 BC. The text is in Canaanite, an alphabet, or abjad, that is consonant alphabet, that was derived from Egyptian hieroglyphs originally. Then if we travel forward a few centuries, we'll find in Greek texts from about the 5th century BC, there was division between phrases and words sometimes using lines and dots. And from the 4th century BC, a horizontal line or paragraphos was used to indicate a new topic. Then in 200 BC, a librarian in the museum in Alexandria known as Aristophanes of Byzantium introduced a system of dots to indicate short, medium and long pauses, although this system didn't really catch on and wasn't widely used. In early Latin texts, words were sometimes divided with dots, and new paragraphs were indicated by moving the words into the margin. Now, in modern text, the paragraphs are indicated by indenting the words, so I suppose that could be called outdenting. But in later Latin texts, words were generally not divided, and the ends of sentences were sometimes indicated by adding a space. From about the 6th century AD, punctuation started to appear in Christian texts in Latin, and in the 7th century AD, someone called Isidore of Seville reintroduced the system of dots created by Aristophanes to indicate different lengths of pauses, and also scribes in uh, Ireland, Scotland, and Germany particularly started adding spaces between words in Latin texts to make them easier to understand, as they were not so familiar with the Latin language. And also spaces were more common in texts generally from the 10th century, 
when silent reading became a thing, because before then most people read things aloud. And some punctuation marks were borrowed from musical notation, such as the punctus interrogativus, the equivalent of a question mark. Then in the 12th century, an Italian writer called Bon Campagno de Signe introduced two new punctuation marks, the slash to indicate a pause and the dash to indicate the ends of sentences. And the slash eventually became a comma. And this was mainly thanks to Aldus Manutius, an Italian printer and scholar who lived from about 1450 to 1515, or quarter past three. He printed works in Greek, Latin, and Italian. He designed typefaces, including italic-type ones, which were easier to read than the Gothic ones, which were commonly used at the time. And he also refined the use of punctuation, particularly the comma and semicolon. And also, he made books accessible to more people, by printing special editions known as libelli portatiles, or portable books, which were the forerunners of modern paperbacks. Since then, the use of punctuation in many languages has become standardised, although there are still disputes about the use of commas and semicolons and apostrophes and so on, at least in English. There are other conventions in other languages. In French, for example, there is usually a space between the end of a sentence and a question mark, exclamation mark, or colon, possibly other punctuation marks. And in Spanish, questions begin with an inverted question mark, and exclamations begin with an inverted exclamation mark. Although I discovered while researching this podcast that these inverted exclamation and question marks are quite often omitted in informal writing, or replaced by the, the standard ones. Some languages, such as Thai, Lao, Burmese, Chinese and Japanese, are written without any spaces between the words. Some people have also come up with new punctuation marks, although none of them have really caught on. My favourite is the Interrobang, which was proposed by American advertising executive Martin K. Spector in 1962. And it's a combination of a question mark and an exclamation mark and the idea was to mark rhetorical questions and a tone of disbelief. It was much discussed in the 1960s, but was never widely used. Then in 1966, a French author called Hervé Bazin came up with a series of six new punctuation marks in his book Plumont d'Oiseau, or Let's Pluck the Bird. These were the point d'ironie, or the irony mark, the point d'amour, or the love point, the point de conviction, or the conviction point, the point d'autorité, the authority point, the point d'acclamation, the acclamation point, and the point de doute, the doubt point, and their variations on the question mark and exclamation mark. And then, in 1992, a patent was filed for the creation of two new punctuation marks, the question comma and the exclamation comma, which were basically these punctuation marks with the dots replaced by commas, and the idea was to use them in the middle of sentences. And nothing more was heard of them, as far as I know. The comedian Victor Borgia came up with a series of sounds that could be used as punctuation marks in speech that he called phonetic punctuation. For example, a full stop or period is... A comma is... An exclamation mark is... 
And the question mark is... I'll post the video I got these recordings from on the Radio Omnigot site. And now it's time for a little tune, I think. This is the Frolicking Ferrets, or the Ferretais in Plankio, a tune I wrote in 2020, played on the Cavaquinho guitar and Boran. Frolicking Ferrets. Nothing to do with punctuation, I know, but I like to include my tunes and songs in these podcasts. There's probably plenty more that could be said about punctuation, but for now, I think that will do. If you would like to make any comments or suggestions on this or any other episode of the Radio Omni Lots podcast, go to radio.omniglot.com. You can find notes and links to more information and also the Adventures in Etymology series that I mentioned earlier. So, that's all I have to say for now. Thank you for listening, and goodbye!